You're listening to a sermon from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas. Get to know Grace Church better by visiting our website at www.gracechurchfrisco.org. Today's speaker is Pastor Craig Cabanis. Welcome to all of you. If we've not met before, my name is Craig, and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, And it's really our privilege to have you with us, especially if you're new. Uh, It's great to have you with us today. So thanks for coming and worshiping with us. And today we are wrapping up uh, a series that we have been in for, well, I guess this is probably the sixth week. And so we're wrapping it up today. And this is what this series has been about. We've called it DTR, uh, Define the Relationship or Defining the Church Relationship. And uh, we began you know, six weeks ago, talking about the fact that the last two years have been disruptive and unsettling and have been challenging for all of us. And it's, it's really the, the pandemic of the last two years has really touched every area of life, whether it's home life or work life or uh, so much of what happens in our culture and in our world has been uh, touched and uh, affected in some way. And that includes the church. And the reality, I mean, not just our church, I mean, all churches. And the reality is that over the last couple of years, most churches, and we would include ourselves here, have just experienced um, sort of a disconnection at points. There's been times we've met together and times we haven't. Uh, There's been folks that um, began to watch online and, and haven't returned to to physical, uh, you know, gathered worship like today. And so we've just had this sort of, uh, you know, uh, who are we? And it's been a little bit disorienting. So we said, hey, why don't we just take and do a series and talk about uh, who we are as a church and what it means to be a part of the church in very practical ways. So if you remember, if you were here, we started at the very beginning of the series talking about the fact that the church is family. And in Romans, uh, the Bible calls us to be devoted to one another in brotherly and sisterly love, that we're to have a, the church is a family and we're to have a familial kind of connection and love and relationship together. So we looked at that, and and then we looked at what we called the four G's of uh, what it means to be uh, an active part of a church. We talked about those who are in a church gather. That was the first G, like we're doing right now, that we gather together, and as we do, God is uniquely present with us because we are the new temple. We are the temple, the people of his presence, the Bible says. So through the preached word, through the sacraments, through our fellowship, our prayers, our singing, God is present with us. That's what we talked about. The second G was groups, that to be a part of a church, we are, don't just gather on a Sunday morning, but we have some other kind of relationships that, are, uh, that we can get together in smaller groups where we can facilitate mutual ministry to one another. It's where discipleship and growth takes place. It's where we bear one another's burdens and encourage each other and kind of live life out together. Um, And uh, so we talked about groups. Uh, Then we talked about um, giving. Caleb did a message talking about the fact that being a part of a church means that we are people who fundamentally are oriented towards giving of our time, our talent, and our treasure. That is, we make time for relationships and service in the church. We, we 
offer, uh, what we are and the gifts that we have. That's what we're going to be talking about today as well. And we give of our resources uh, to, for the glory of God. And then last week I talked about going, that we not only gather as the church, but we scatter. And as we scatter, that we are to go to all the places that God has called us, homework, neighborhood, uh, our hobbies, whatever it is, and we're to represent him there that we're to be a light in the darkness, and that we support one another as a church, that not only when we're gathered, but we're caring for one another and seeking to be connected and encouraging one another and to live faithfully in all of our various callings. And today I'm going to talk about the fifth G, uh, which I believe is the most important of all, because this is the motive G. This is the purpose G, and it is glory of God. We do all of that for the glory. We gather, we group up, we give, we go, all for the glory of God. And that's what I want to talk about, all for the glory of God. Now, when we think about living for the glory of God, um, th- this can be very vague in our minds. It's, it can be kind of ethereal. What does that even mean, you know? Um, it, it can seem sort of mysterious, the glory of God. I, I don't know, how do we live for the glory of God? What does that even mean? Well, today I want to look at a passage that I think is going to make this very practical, and not only practical, but even actionable, uh, something that we could respond uh, and do to live uh, more practically for the glory of God and at least connecting our life to the glory of God. So we want to start with talking about what is God's glory? What is God's glory? Sometimes when the Bible speaks of God's glory, it's talking about uh, the light, the blazing, white-hot holiness that emanates from the being of God, so that when people, we can't even look upon God and live uh, in this condition, the Bible says. That's why we'll have resurrection bodies when Christ returns, that we can see him face to face. So sometimes it's the brilliance of his presence that is spoken of as the glory of God. But usually in the Bible, the glory of God is a reference to his essence, who he is, his nature, we might say. So God's glory is his excellence, his greatness, his worthiness, his beauty, even. That's why Psalm 19 uses the phrase in this way. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. What does that mean? It means that when we look out and see a sunrise or the beauty of a sunset or the awesome, this is the time of year, right? The awesome thunderstorms uh, that remind us how small we are and how awesome the creator is, that the heavens display these things of God, his glory, his greatness, his excellence, his beauty, his wonder, um, his power, it, it, it just displays all of this for us. And so uh, this is what the glory of God is. So if that's what the glory of God is, is who he is, then how can we live for his glory or put another way? What does it mean to glorify God in our lives? Well, the scripture talks about this in several ways. Certainly, we're to live all of life for his glory. But I want to look at one specific way that we live for the glory of God as the church. So the passage we're talking about today, this is a series on the church, and this passage is about the church in 1 Peter 4, because it speaks of how we relate to one another. 
the people of God. And uh, it shows us uh, how our relationships together ultimately are uh, designed to bring glory to God. So let's read 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11, uh, as we listen to God's holy word. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So this passage... 1 Peter 4 comes out of the book of 1 Peter, obviously, and the context of 1 Peter is Peter's writing to Christians in various areas, churches that are kind of scattered in Asia Minor, and they are under persecution, and he is writing to suffering people, and in the verses that come right before this, he's told them to be sober-minded for prayer, Uh, he has told them uh, to love, he has told them to be hospitable to one another, and now he is saying that they are called to use their gifts for God's glory, or uh, as he says here, they are to steward God's grace, and we'll see what that means in just a minute, but In this verses, in this passage, we can look at some of the key verbs in the passage, and we see there's a cycle, sort of a cycle of glorifying God. There's a movement here that I want to point out to us. In verse 10, he says, each one has received a gift. So the first verb I want to talk about is receive. So God is giving gifts, and we receive those. He says, use your gift, use it to serve one another. So what we receive from God, we're to take and serve other people with. And in verse 11, he says, in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So we receive gifts from God. We take what he gives us. We use it to serve others. And as we do, glory goes up. Glory is given to God, receive gifts, serve one another, that God may be glorified. So here's a way that hopefully this will be easy to remember. I'm going to phrase this passage this way with three uh, actions within a cycle. That gifts come down, service goes out, glory goes up. Gifts come down, service goes out, glory goes up. The first thing, gifts come down. Now, the passage doesn't say that uh, gifts uh, that literally, you know, are fall from heaven upon us, but it is a spatial way of describing God giving gifts. And James 1 says this very thing. James 1 says, every good and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of light. So while the gifts coming down language is not in 1 Peter, it is in James. And it's a a picture of receiving from God. Every good gift comes from God. So gifts come down as each has received a gift, Peter says in, in verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Now he doesn't specify which gifts he has in mind. It's just very, very broad. He says in verse 11, whoever speaks, 
one type of gifts. Whoever speaks uh, as one who speaks oracles of God. And he says, whoever serves as the one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So all the gifts, that whatever he's talking about here, he describes them in these two broad categories, under these two broad headings. Everything that has to do with words and everything that has to do with actions. All gifts in word or in deed, we could say. And in verse 11, he just summarizes it. In order that in everything God may be glorified. So he can't get any broader than everything. Everything that God gives us in the way of gifts is to be used that he may be glorified. And I think it's really helpful to think about what it, these gifts that he's talking about in broad categories. Now, places the Bible is very specific, but here he's very broad. And one of the reasons I think that's important is because some of us are already wondering and worried about what our gifts are. We don't know our gifts. We don't have any gifts. And, and that's just not what he's talking about here. Uh, If this was about identifying your gifts, he would have provided a long list from which we could uh, identify or, or choose. But this isn't a long list of gifts. The point here is service. The point here is not analysis of your interests, your dreams, your aptitudes, your passions. We're not setting up an e-harmony matchmaking profile here. This is not what the passage is about. The passage is about broadly saying, however you serve in everything, whatever God gives to you, as you speak, as you serve, it's all for him. The reality is that as we serve, as we look for a need among one another, the language is one another here, so he's talking about the church, um, that as we serve one another, Oftentimes when we just see a need and move towards it, it's through service that we find out what our gifts are. That's really one of the best ways to find out anyway. So he's talking about serving. Secondly, because this is general, speaking and serving, I I think we can make general application. And so that's what I'm going to do today, that that all that we have received from God, uh, all the abilities, gifts, spiritual gifts, what the so-called natural abilities that we would have, all of our opportunities and relationships within the church, all the resources he's given us, that these have been received from God with the purpose to be leveraged to serve others. This is kind of what Caleb talked about a couple weeks ago in the parable of the talents. So gifts come down. Spiritual gifts, abilities, opportunities, relationships. Gifts come down to the people of God together. Number two, service goes out. Verse 10, he says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So he says, we are to take what he's given and we are to be stewards with it. Now that's not a word that we're real familiar with perhaps in our culture. We don't talk about stewards so much. Um, but in, in the biblical day and certainly in other days as well, the idea of stewards, um, communicate something very clear. A steward was a, it was a role. It was a function. It was a job description. It was a title that he's a steward or she's a steward or perhaps stewardess. I'm not not sure what the word is there, but he's a steward. Uh, She's a steward of, uh, of something. So a steward was someone who managed something entrusted to him or to her, managed something for someone else. So back in biblical times, stewards were competent people who were given significant responsibilities in overseeing an owner's 
property. Oftentimes it was overseeing their property, maybe their fields or their animals, sort of overseeing that. Or it could be overseeing their household, uh, their, the, the needs of their family, their business affairs. It, it could be any kind of thing like this where they're entrusted something that, that uh, belongs to someone else, an owner, and they administrate it, lead, manage it. Here's the key about a steward and a key about stewardship. Stewards manage something that belongs to someone else. So when it says, when when Peter says each has received a gift, implicit there is that it's received from God. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as a steward of God's grace. You've been given God's grace. He's graciously provided This gift, these gifts, these abilities, these relationships, these resources, he's generously given these to you. Now you are to manage them. They don't belong to you. They don't belong to you. Everything you have has been provided by God. Now you may work and develop certain gifts or talents, spiritual gifts or so-called natural gifts. You may work to develop them, but they're all from God. And even the development is a gift of grace, for he could stop your heart beating in the next five minutes. Every heartbeat is a gift of God's grace. And so he's saying we are to steward the opportunities we have to serve one another. Do you see your opportunities and your gifts this way? Do you see them as belonging to God? So it's not really a question of, I don't know if I want to do that or serve there or use this gift. Uh, It's a question of whether I want to faithfully manage what God has given me or not. Now, the next phrases in this passage are so important in understanding how to glorify God. He says in verse 10, I'm sorry, verse 11, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. An oracle is a message. And so he's saying those who speak, speak as if you were speaking a message from God. Now, the Bible has a number of gifts it describes a number of gifts that involve speaking. So gifts like teaching or prophecy or exhortation or a message of knowledge or a message of wisdom referred to in 1 Corinthians 12. But there's other context you might speak to brothers and sisters in Christ that would be using some kind of ability or gift or opportunity or relationship. You could speak to someone to give them counsel or advice. What kind of advice will you give? Well, give advice as if you're giving God's message, God's word to them, the truth of God. Um, That would be one. Uh, Certainly, uh, uh, praying for someone, praying with someone and for them, that's a way to use your speech to the benefit of someone else. Sharing an encouragement with them, where you see God at work in their life, just encouraging. I see God doing this in you. Uh, Words of gratitude. I thank God for you. Paul does that all over the place in the New Testament. I thank God for you. And here's why. Uh, words of loving, uh, loving concern can be a way to use our words as well. To, to, to have a concern for someone and, and to be courageous to communicate that and share that with them. Written communication fits in here as well, I think, ultimately in a broad application We could exhort or encourage. We could send a note to someone or text them a scripture or something that's on our heart for them or something just to encourage and strengthen them in their day. Use your words as if they're going to make a difference in someone's life, as if they're from the Lord to encourage and strengthen them. 
Um, I, and the reason I say that we use even digital speech like that is because that's how much, so much of our, com- our communication goes today. If you're like in my generation, you know, we need to learn this. I'll be talking to someone younger and they'll say, yeah, I talked to Joe today. I'll say, oh yeah, really? Where'd you see Joe? Well, I didn't see him. We texted. I'm thinking, well, then you didn't talk to Joe. If you, te- you texted Joe, but that's just communication. That's just talking. We're talking. We're texting and we're communicating. So are we using those opportunities as means to speak as if God would have something to say to encourage this person from his scripture? Um, speak as one who speaks oracles. Now, that doesn't mean that every word we say is a scripture. He's just saying speak as if. Use your communication with such thought and such care and such responsibility that your words, as Paul would say elsewhere, edify and build up instead of tearing down. I mentioned something about being in high school last week and serving the Lord in in high school. And I was thinking this week about uh, those days. And um, I, I lived this season of time. Uh, my wife and I were in the same school, high school, and so lived through this season of time, especially my junior and senior year, where the Lord was doing something uh, really stirring, doing something profound in my life, and there was a number of others of us that was, God was doing something in our lives that was really refreshing and powerful and renewing and probably short of revival, but very meaningful and significant. And so we had a lot of zeal for the Lord, but also often not a lot of experience and certainly not a lot of wisdom. And I remember this one friend of mine that uh, always carried around this massive Bible. So probably two to three of this, just massive. And he always carried it. School, no matter where he is, he had this massive Bible alongside. So we hadn't read all the Bible, like those verses about don't practice your righteousness before others. I don't think we'd gotten to those verses. And so he'd carry this big Bible and it was so into his Bible, it was his wallet. So he kept, just like in the Bible, like he kept his driver's license and cash. He'd open it up, there's his license, and there's, you know, five $1 bills, whatever it is. He carried it all in there. He's so into his Bible. And I remember one time he was talking, and he said, you know what? I want to get so into the Word of God that I don't say any words that aren't actual verses from the Bible. And I remember thinking, wow. That is so holy. (laughs) Only Bible verses. It only occurred to me later, like, how are you going to ask somebody where the bathroom is? Because there's not a verse. How are you going to order a number one at Chick-fil-A? Because there's not a verse that says I'll take a number. That's just not in the Bible. You're going to have to use some words. It's just this false spirituality that was, uh, you know, sincere and genuine, but seriously mistaken. So he's not saying here that when you speak as the oracles of God, you only use Bible words. He's saying rather that when you speak, speak as if you are communicating on behalf of God. Speak truth. Speak love. Speak life to others. Speak words of grace to one another. Use your language. The most powerful thing we have are our words. So he's saying, look, church, you're the people of God. How should you respond to one another? When you're speaking, speak to one another like this is God's message, an oracle, a message. Seek to be a a person of God representing 
the heart of God and using your words. At times it will be exact scripture, but use your words to build people up. Use your gifts and your opportunities in that way. Speak, listen, speak so that God would recognize his word in the things you say. Speak so that you are speaking words that reflect the truth of God and his word. This, this requires us to be much more thoughtful and much more careful in our speech. Similarly, he says, those who serve, verse 11, whoever speaks, speak, speak as one, as if you're giving a message from the Lord, he's saying. The oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Speak with words God supplies, serve with strength that God supplies. So he's calling us to serve one another, empowered by God. What are the serving gifts? Well, he doesn't really list them here. He just says, use the gifts you have to serve others. You know, I paused and just thought about this this morning's gathering. And uh, actually, Morgan mentioned it in her testimony about being an intern of just sort of seeing what goes on. Um, and we could just walk in here and think, you know, this is, this just sort of is the way it is. This just sort of happened. But think about everything that happened here today that happened in the lobby, that happens at the coffee area, that happens at the welcome uh, center, that happens in children's ministry, that happens, think about everything that happens today. There's a lot of gifts of administration that took place, gifts of planning, gifts of organizing, uh, gifts of generosity. People gave of their time. Some of you have given your money as worship to the Lord online or in the, in the back there in this worship gathering. Um, there was musical gifts. People practiced and played their songs, and then we sang to the Lord together. All kinds of scenes, behind the scenes, technical gifts, Got a whole booth for those folks in the back. There are technical stuff's happening. Technical stuff's happening all over the building. Gifts of creativity. Gifts of, um, you know, uh, art, a digital creation. Some, someone had to design what, what's on the screen that we see. Those kinds of gifts. Gifts of hospitality. Hopefully someone welcomed you. Um, but we welcome, we have people welcoming. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you, the Bible says. Got a cup of coffee for you, that's a welcome. Got a greeting for you, that's a welcome. Uh, we'll greet you at the Connect Center, that is a welcome. All kinds of serving gifts in this way. And all the things that just happen spontaneously in conversations. It's not unusual on a Sunday after a service or even before to see two people with their head bowed praying. Maybe someone weeping even. Someone with a hand on their shoulder, praying for them. The gifts of serving through listening, through burden bearing, through praying. All of that will happen today. The gifts of helps. People who have the ability and use it to meet practical needs. People who helped when we couldn't get the printer to work today for things that need to be printed for children's ministry or for my notes today and they didn't get printed until almost the first service started. But the gift of help, someone who can do stuff like fix a printer, praise God for Tim Payne. (laughs) Gifts of mercy, people whose heart are broken, who are going to go out and reach out to someone who's alone or grieving or hurting. 
this morning and maybe serve them in a practical way, invite them to lunch, ask how they're doing, bearing their burdens. People that are serving children back behind me and people that that direction out of our building are serving seniors as we host a worship gathering every Sunday morning at Bethesda Gardens Assisted Living. And people in our church are leading songs over there and someone from our church is preaching over there to the worship service at Bethesda Gardens over on Legacy. So people who are serving the uh, older folks. I mean, I didn't even mention, I mean, there's still tons of other stuff. People set things up. These chairs didn't just arrive in this spot. So all of those kinds of things, people, he says, do that kind of serving. And we, we glorify God when we serve in his strength. Not only serving here, but we serve one another in a church community in all kinds of ways that aren't in this room. Oftentimes serving's not a specific unique gift, but it's just plain working. It's helping somebody move. It's giving someone a ride. It's babysitting somebody's children. It's meeting a financial need that someone can't meet. It's bringing a meal to a family who's just had a new baby. It's helping clean or organize someone's house who is recovering from surgery. It's helping with a project to serve another person. It's whatever in everything. So whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. And that's the key. Is that God calls us to a lifestyle that we can't pull off on our own. We need the strength that God supplies. It doesn't say just go and, you know, uh, uh, roll up your sleeves and get busy. No, you need to go do things that are going to require the supernatural power of God to give you the heart and the desire and the strength to put someone else above yourself. It will not happen naturally. So serve with the strength that God supplies. Ask for his help. Ask for his heart. Ask for how you can express his love and his care in practical ways to other people. Beyond your comfort, beyond your ability, beyond what's currently even maybe in your schedule. The strength that God supplies. Why is this important? Why do we need to speak his words? Why do we need to serve in his strength? Well, he says so. Speak his word as the oracles of God serve with the strength he supplies so that, verse 11, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Gifts come down, the service goes out so that glory goes up. All of this is so that glory goes to God, he says. Notice that the goal is that God be glorified through Christ. None of this would be happening apart from Christ. In everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Jesus comes as the God-man and lives a perfect life teaching us about who God the Father is. He, He calls us to himself to follow him. He dies as a substitute in our place for our sins. He's buried and raised on the third day to defeat death 
and the power of sin. He ascends to the right hand of God and pours out his spirit on all who would believe. And he opens a way for us to be reconciled to God. This is his work, that Jesus gives his life. He is raised so that people meet him. Through faith we receive, we believe in what he did. Through faith we receive new life, and then he begins to work in us. Because of Christ, uh, God begins to reorient our hearts towards loving others. He begins to produce character in us. He gives us gifts to be used to serve others. And when we speak his words and when we serve in his strength, the work of Christ's redemption is on display. That's why he says all of this happens uh, to give glory to God through Jesus, because it's through the work of Christ all this happens. We're only here because of the work of Christ. I wouldn't be here today if it were not for the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection for me. Most of us would not gather in a small group and serve along one side, alongside one another as we do were it not for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not just a service organization. We're not just a charitable organization. We're not just an educational community where we get lectures on the subject of God. We are people redeemed by Jesus Christ, given new life in him, formed together so that now we can live and act through our words, through our service to shine the light on him because our lives are now to be demonstrations of his work. It's the proof of the fruit of the death and resurrection of Jesus that the church are a people that begin to live for his glory and serve one another with a witness to the world. In that he is glorified. Do you see that? God is glorified by his work in us. That's why we speak his words. That's why we serve with his strength. This is exactly what he says in John 15. Jesus talks about abiding in him. And John 15 says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be his disciples. What's he saying? It's like a vine and branches. You're connected to me. Abide in me, in union with me, dependent on me for all of your life, all your spiritual nourishment. You are dependent on me as the vine. And when I bear fruit through your words and through your service, the Father is glorified. Bearing fruit's not about maximizing your potential. Bearing fruit's not even about meeting someone else's need ultimately. Bearing fruit is ultimately about honoring God who made this all possible and sure through the death and resurrection of his son. Because when he looks down and sees us bearing fruit, he sees fruit from the work of Jesus. And that glorifies him. When he hears himself in our words, when he sees himself in our service, when he sees selfish individuals like you and me beginning little by little to live more selflessly for the good of others, he sees the power of the gospel at work. When he sees words that used to be critical 
and backbinding and backbiting and slanderous and gossiping and angry. When he sees those words start to turn to encouragement and life giving, gratitude and exhortations to build up. Oh, he sees, then he sees his son at work. He sees himself in us and he's glorified because his glory, his greatness, his beauty, his power is on display through his people. So the glory of God is tied to the character of God, tied to the work of God in us. Gifts come down, service goes out so that the glory of God may go up. John Hanna, who is a professor at Dallas Seminary, said this, to glorify God means to live in such a way that God sees himself reflected in your life. That's the simplest idea that maybe many of us have never really considered what it means to glorify God. To glorify God means to live in such a way that God sees himself reflected in your life. Hanna, Dr. Hanna said, he prays every morning God, would you allow me to live so that you may see yourself in me today? Lord, I'm yours. Would you allow me to live so that you see yourself at work in my words and in my service, in all of life and in this passage, particularly in among the people of God? That's what this passage is about. If I could take 1 Peter 4 and sort of summarize the big idea Here's what I think the big idea is, that we glorify God when we serve one another using his words and his strength so that he sees himself reflected through us. We serve one another with his words and his strength so that he sees himself reflected through us. So how do we respond to this final G, final G passage? Well, first of all, we pray because many of us may not have been aware what it means to live for the glory of God, how to glorify God. So we need to pray that God would show us needs around us and show us how we could use our speech and our service, our gifts, our opportunities, our resources to strengthen those around us in such a way that it would be God's strength at work through us so that his character is reflected and, and it comes back to him ultimately. Secondly, I think we can take a practical step. You know, if, if you're new here, maybe you don't know anyone, though you could certainly greet someone even right now. Uh, I mean, obviously, as we're about to be finished, you could take some action. But if you're part of this church and you know folks in this church, think of someone in need. If you don't know anyone in need, then what an opportunity you have um, to grow in relationships in the church because that would be at a very shallow level if we don't know. And, and that may be our case, okay? So let's start where we are. Maybe very shallow, not really knowing anybody and their needs. But if you know someone and they have a need, then commit today to speak to them or text them or write them um, in some way that would build them up or to serve them practically in some way that would help them, especially if it was some way that required you to ask God of help for his power to really pull it off. Ask God. Put yourself in a situation where you're going to need God on this one. We spend our lives wanting to get so secure that we don't need God. 
you know, I, we want to be physically healthy so I don't need to pray for my health. I want to be financially secure so I don't need to pray give me my daily bread. I don't need to ask God for money. We, we want to get so secure in all of life that we don't need him. And God says your whole life is about needing him. So let's put ourselves in a situation where we need him. Some of us in the room or who've been watching online, you know what? We have gifts speaking and serving gifts that we've just allowed to lie dormant. Some of us haven't used our gifts in the past couple of years now and, and like we used to. We aren't regularly using our gifts to benefit others. And, and the, the, the truth of that is that we're not being faithful stewards of what God owns that has been entrusted to us. I don't say that to condemn anyone. I say that to say, hey, there's an opportunity to repent and ask God to help us be about his business like we used to, like we used to. I had an image, just a thought of a, an old dusty journal. Maybe you have one of those. A journal where maybe you used to record what God was doing in your life, your prayers, your prayer requests for other people, what was on your agenda to do, maybe some things like that, thoughts of your encounter with God and specifically you're serving in the church and here's what's going on. And it's like a dusty journal now. And you dust it up and open it up and the last entry is dated a lot longer than you remember. It's, it's back farther than you remember. Wow, has it been that long? And I think the Lord wants to encourage you that he wants to continue to write a glorious story through your life, story of redemption, the redemption of Christ on display in you and through you for the good of others. God is calling some of us to repent. He's entrusted us with gifts and opportunities. We know exactly what this is about. You're not saying, what? I don't, what do you mean? Some of us may be saying, what do you mean? This wasn't very clear today. But some of us know exactly what this passage is addressing. And God's saying, repent and do what you did before using your gifts, your opportunities, your resources to bring him glory. Lastly, this concludes the four G's now with the, five, the fifth G. Started with family, um, then gather, group, give, go, and now all for the glory of God. So I wanted to give you a, a little update or an announcement on how we as a pastoral team intend to apply the five G's ourselves. Um, a response to this. We've been thinking about this for almost two years. Uh, and a response to this, it has been a crazy couple of years. And there's been a scattering in our church, every church. There's been a scattering. People are it just in the workplace, there's been scattering. People are living over here. Now they're working over here. And who's that? And what'd they go? And that's just, it should have been upside down a little bit. Topsy-turvy. And uh, so we wanted to do this series to say, hey, look, who are we as a church who has God called to be a part of this church? Who's in this church? Who's no longer in this church? Um, how can we as a family glorify you? And uh, it did start with family. How do we express brotherly, sisterly care for one another? How do we uh, live out our family calling? So what we're going to do is we would like to meet with everyone in the whole church individually as a married couple or a single adult individually. Now, we're not going to stop everything we're doing to make this happen. So we're going to give ourselves a year to pull it off. From this Easter 
until next Easter of 2023. And in that time, what we would love to do is sit down with everyone and say individually, how are you doing? We feel a little disconnected over two years. How are you personally doing? What burdens are you carrying that we may not know about that we could pray for you? Remember the first message in this series, family. Do you feel like Grace Church's family for you? Do you feel connected to the family? If not, how could we help? You know, like how are you doing how are you doing with the G's? Remember those G's we talked about? Now, we said it's going to be a year, so some of you may not get a call from us till next February. I don't know. G's, what are you talking about? How are you doing? Gather, group, give, go, all for the glory of God. How could we help you? What, what, how can we pray for you? What have you wanted to tell us about your life? What, what, critique or concern do you have for us? Something you've wanted to tell us that we could grow in to serve you and to serve others. Anything you want to communicate to us? You know, it's funny, we do this with new members meetings. So if you've joined the church in the last year, we're not going to meet with you again until we we want to meet with everybody else. We just met with you. Um, But, uh, I mean, we're happy to meet with you, but we're not doing one of these member, we're calling these member care meetings. We're not doing a member care meeting. We meet with new people and we do this. How are you doing? Tell us your story. What's going on in your life? How would you like to be involved? How are you involved? Who do you know? Where do you 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 feel strong? Where do you feel weak? We do that with new people, but we haven't uh, typically done that with folks, uh, you know, those kind of meetings with folks who have been around for a while, but we want to do member care meetings. It's not a, it's not a call to come in and, uh, you know, sit down in the principal's office. It's not that at all. It's, it's more friends over coffee. Uh, how are you doing? How can I bear your burden? How can we reconnect uh, as a church? So that's what we're going to do. We're committed to doing that. We're committed to giving ourselves a long runway to pull it off, uh, but we'll be reaching out to you. And why are we doing that? Well, because we want to be a church that it's, we read at the end of this verse, 11b is, in order... Let's all be people who are speaking and serving in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So what's at stake is the glory of God, that we be a people of God called together by his grace and for his glory. And we want to be helping one another throughout the church to strengthen those relationships and to speak the words he would call us to speak, to serve with the strength he provides, that he may look down at Grace Church and with all of our faults, starting with your pastors, all of our faults, all of our weaknesses, all of our places of ignorance and everything, in the midst of all of that, he would look down and see Jesus Christ powerfully at work, bearing fruit in us and through us so that he is glorified. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church. To receive future messages, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or listen online by visiting our website at gracechurchfrisco.org.